Hi everyone, this is John Doerr, and you are listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, our very special guest Mark Marin discusses making amends with his old pals in comedy. Yeah, I was a bit of a dick. Mark will discuss that, plus Ted Nugent thinks he's Sam Kinison. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. The annual Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue is out on newsstands, thrilling men everywhere who don't have the internet. A fugitive British security guard suspected of absconding with a van containing $1.5 million in a 1993 heist has been arrested in Missouri after it was discovered that he had been living with his family in the U.S. under an assumed name for 15 years. He moved around the U.S. using various assumed names, going from job to job, never once raising suspicion. It took me 32 months to find a permanent full-time job, and I've never even done anything. Rick Santorum used his tax returns to make contrasts with Mitt Romney, saying in interviews last night that he doesn't have the dividend income of his rival and had to use his earnings to pay down his mortgage. The former Pennsylvania senator released his tax returns for 2007 through 2010 to Politico this past week. The documents show Santorum's annual income rose from more than $650,000 in 2007 to a high of $1.1 million in 2009, before dropping to $923,000 in 2010. So you see, he's just like the rest of us working stiffs. Newt Gingrich is making a play for Hispanic voters in Arizona with a new ad stressing that he shares the conservative values of Latinos. To show his solidarity with the Latino community, Gingrich and his entire staff drove to a rally in Tucson in one station wagon. See, Newt doesn't quite understand, you know, that... Never mind. Governor Chris Christie has followed through on his promise to reject a bill allowing same-sex marriage in New Jersey by quickly vetoing the measure this past Friday. The veto came a day after the state assembly passed the bill. The state senate had passed the bill on Monday. Christie, a Republican who opposed the same-sex marriage, had vowed very swift action once the bill reached his desk and kept his promise as it was the first order of business this past Friday. Of course, that was first on the agenda after finishing off an Egg McMuffin, a stack of pancakes, a Western omelet, and another Egg McMuffin. He's a very large man. And that's been Fake News with me. Hi, Dave Nelson, host of the Comedy Go Go podcast, whose previous guests include... Hey, this is Carlos Alzaraki, James Garcia from Reno 911. Hey, this is Graham Ellis. Hey, this is Kyle Kinney. Hi, this is Jackie Cation. This is TJ Miller. Hey, this is Nick Vatterot. So if you fancy yourself a comedy fan, maybe even a comedy nerd, Check out the podcast at www.comedya-go-go.com or on iTunes under Comedy A Go-Go. And remember... Yeah, it's a go-go, all right? It's not a went-went, all right? It is current-current, all right? Listen. Listen to me on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like that's what I write. <laughs> Well, I was going to do another edition of its Facebook, not Factbook, uh, when while doing my research, this popped up in my Facebook news feed. Anybody that wants to disarm me can drop dead. Yes, the Motor City Madman Ted Nugent was on the TV box, and uh, someone posted a YouTube video of it. Ted's big on guns, uh, criticizing Democrats, and defiling underage girls. Uh, the clip starts with him saying this. 
funnier I mean, than you're hilarious. Not being amused, it's hilarious. I'm on a rock and roll stage. I just saw, sang a song about feisty. I mean, you got to be kidding me. On a rock, did you ever see Richard Pryor live? How about Sam Kinison? How about Lenny Bruce? I'm one of them. Get over it. Now, Ted, of course, there is appearing on the Piers Morgan show on CNN. And um, I think he's referring to this. Uh, this is actually a clip that was run on uh, the Hannity and Combs program on Fox News. But I think this is uh, uh, similar to what he's talking to Piers about. Hannity thinks this is the greatest thing he's ever heard in his life. And uh, Alan Combs, who at this point is still uh, a partner of Sean Hannity's, this clip is actually from before the 2008 election. But uh, Alan Combs and people uh, on the left side of the fence a little mad at Alan Combs sometimes, but uh, I'm a big fan of AC. He takes, uh, he takes Ted Nugent to task, and of course Ted Nugent responds with uh, literally the same thing he tells uh, Piers Morgan uh, just a few days ago. Call me Sam Kinison with a guitar, Alan. You I know, say, everybody I, say. I know gets the joke. So Ted fancies himself to be Sam Kinison. Let's do a fun comparison, okay? Uh, first, let's hear a little bit of Ted. And now Sam Kinison from his first appearance ever on Late Night with David Letterman back on his old NBC show. Lou, you been married? Can you do me a favor? If you ever think you want to get married, if you ever think you've met the right woman, you want to settle down... You want to get a house, you want to get a car, maybe raise a family. Do me a favor, will you, Lou? Remember this face. Ah! Ah! Remember it, Lou! Remember that face! Ah! Ah! Okay, I've just heard that bit about three or four times, uh, putting this bit together, and I'm still laughing at that. Okay, good memories, funny stuff. Okay, I'm a tough room. I didn't laugh once at uh, Obama, you punk. Um, so let's try again. Ted? You don't get that. Obama, he's a piece of And Sam Kinison. You want to do something about working on hunger? Stop sending them food. You want to help these people? Send them U-Hauls. Send them boxes, you know, some luggage. Send them a guy there who goes, hey. <laughs> hey, you know, we just drove 750 miles across the desert with your food, and it occurred to us that there wouldn't be world hunger if you people would live where the food is! <laughs> you live in a desert! You're cracking up at that one, too. Okay, so Sam wins that round, I guess, by a landslide. Um, it also occurred to me that if you say this about the president... We're ashamed the president of the United States is from Texas. Not only does Sean Hannity not kiss your ass, but you also get this kind of reaction. Now, speaking of France, um, uh, let me explain a little something about the, uh, the Dixie Chicks controversy. When they uh, said that, they said that uh, on tour in the UK, and uh, that's when this whole firestorm broke out. And uh, I was discussing this with my father, and I said, you know, that was kind of a dumb thing for them to say. And he said, well, I don't think it was dumb. And uh, no, what they said wasn't dumb, but I think the circumstances surrounding it were. Let me explain. Uh, my mother is French, and she went to France in 1987 to visit some relatives. And when she came back, she told me that the, the French are very amused that we elected an actor to be president. 
I was no fan of the Gipper by any means, but I was like, who do they think they are, you know? Kind of like when I believe it was, I believe it was Charlie Rangel who was upset with uh, uh, the president of Venezuela when he said that, uh, when he was insulting Bush at the UN and saying sulfur was here, everything, you know, let, we'll insult the president, you know, it's, and I know the Dixie Dicks are Americans and they're over there, but it just, it just seemed like a cheap way of getting a plot. Now, had they said it in America, I'd have been 100% behind them. But um, anyway, they said it, and of course they can say it wherever they want to because England's a free country and America's a free country and Ted can say what he wants because it's a free country. But I just find it fascinating. Uh, you kind of get a, a slightly different take uh, on, on those two things. And uh, well, not only does Ted like to uh, bash the president and call him names and stuff, uh, he also likes his guns, and that's fine. It's in the Second Amendment, and I ain't mad at him. Uh, I'm just merely asking responsibility, as I uh, asked for in episode 25 of the podcast. Um, and I'm not sure Ted is completely down with that. More guns equals less crime, You're period. Now, Ted cites uh, some FBI study and also a UN study on violence. And I looked them both up online, and I could not find the facts to support that assertion. Although they are long reports, and it would take you a while to dig through them. I tried Googling it to see if somebody maybe had boiled it down. But you can only find, like, one side or the other, like the anti-gun lobby saying, well, no, that's not the case because of this. But no one actually dug into the actual statistics in either report, so I really couldn't trust either side. One statistic I do know, and I mentioned this in episode 25, is that in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, a city of 3 million people, there were 26 handgun murders in 2011. In the city of Chicago, a city almost the exact same size, there were over 300. So... I disagree with Ted that if there we have more guns, we have less crime. Seems we would have... Well, maybe we have less crime, but we have more gun crime. But, as I pointed out before, we're never going to get the guns back in America. So, just forget that. We're never going to get that genie back in the bottle, so I wouldn't worry about that. Again, I am just asking for responsibility. And, you know, there are all these people out there that say, oh, well, you know, you've heard these people before. Well, if everybody had guns, and you could defend themselves. And, you know, and anecdotally, that is true. We played that clip on episode uh, 25 of the young lady in Oklahoma. Guys were busting into her uh, house, the widowed mom of the, with her infant son on the couch, just drinking his bottle. And she shot the one guy, and the other guy wisely surrendered. So, uh, yeah, I mean, anecdotally, that's true. But uh, also, when you have a lot of guns around, uh, this kind of thing tends to happen. Accidentally shot his mother in the arm, sending her to the hospital. That was a six-year-old boy in uh, Indiana, and uh, this is from KMBC in Kansas City, Missouri. Child playing with a gun accidentally shoots his young brother. KMBC 9's Brenda Washington is live with more on this terrible accident. Seven-year-old playing with a gun when it went off, injuring the child's younger brother. Now, if only that seven-year-old's little brother had had a gun too, he could have stopped his big brother. All I'm saying is just be responsible, people, okay? Because uh, in finding those two clips, and in those two clips, no one was seriously hurt. The mom turned out to be okay. The little kid uh, that was injured wasn't life-threatening. He turned out it was okay. But uh, I found over a dozen clips of stories uh, similar to that where the outcome uh, wasn't as good. So again, just try to be responsible. Okay, so uh, Ted, also a big hunter. Uh, but he uses a bow and arrow, and his philosophy is uh, grill it and kill it. And he points out that he eats uh, everything he uh, shoots, which isn't exactly true on this Behind the Music special on VH1. He has a lot of trophies around his house. But that's fine. He doesn't buy meat from the grocery store. If he eats meat, it's meat that he's killed. And here I don't think I'm very mad at him because uh, there were a lot of environmentalists on this Behind the Music uh, special saying, oh, it's horrible. And, I mean, if you're a vegetarian, yeah, you, you could be mad at Ted. But I'm not, so I can't be. In fact, I think his way might 
might be better, uh, him going out and actually getting his own food, shooting it, giving the animal a sporting chance to get away, and using a bow and arrow, not a gun, versus me getting my meat from a factory farm where the cow is just packed into a little box there, and, you know, they whack him over the head when they're, you know, ready to process him into food. So, you know, I, I think there he might have uh, he might have a point. But Ted knows there is a time and a place for using guns. Uh, for instance... Instead of arresting people for molesting children 24 times, I would rather the dad walked into the room, found a person molesting that child, and blew his brains out. Of course, Ted then may have to turn the gun on himself. Soon after his divorce, Ted found a new love, a young girl from Hawaii named Pele Masa. Ted was 30 years old, Pele just 17. Ted admits to a number of liaisons with underage girls. And in the case of Pele, her mother signed papers making Ted her legal guardian. Mark Marin is a hilarious stand-up comic who in the past few years has emerged as one of the giants of this medium we call podcasting. Here now is our big interview with our big guest, Mark Marin. Well, joining us on PF's Tape Recorder, it's Mark Marin. Mark, thanks for being on. This is huge. Oh boy, is it huge! You're telling me. I, I you know, I've been tr preparing for a week for this. <laughs> All right. Um, so, geez, I hardly know where to start here. Um, I think last time we spoke it was before I started uh, this podcast, and uh, I had kind of uh, misexplained. You would. Um, started headlining right about the same time I fell out of following comedy for a little bit. You know, you get married, life gets in the way. Uh -huh. and, and then I kind of reverse engineered your career when you turned up on Air America. Um, is it is it surprising to you that this is your thing that you're you're Mr. Podcast. You are like the, you're at the forefront of this uh, of this medium. Is this uh, kind of a surprise to you that this is how your your career ended up? Well, I don't know if ended up is the right way. No, it's not. I'm sorry. No, it's the only thing that uh, that happened, I mean, you know, I had, yeah, it's a surprise. I had no idea about anything. I, I did a podcast because I didn't really know what else to do, and it seemed like a, an option. And it was a smaller field then, but not much smaller. I mean, I certainly wasn't the first, but I seemed to have caught a wave and, and found my own little world for myself there. So that's all a surprise and a good one at that. Um, it seems like it really fits you, though, you know, even more so than, you know, Air America, um, almost as much as your stand-up. Do you think it's uh, had a, a positive effect on your stand-up, or has it just been, you know, uh, another ground reef from which you can draw material? No, I mean, uh, yeah, Air America was politics, and, you know, politics was, you know, definitely I came around the side to that medium. I, you know, I got involved with that having no experience in radio and, and not really being that in-depth uh, in terms of my understanding of politics or my political analysis. So I was very relieved uh, to get out of that world and into the podcast where I could just uh, you know, express political views if I felt like it, but mostly yeah. you know, personal stuff and conversations. And I think that the, the medium really fits me. And, and I do uh, you know, come upon stuff that becomes material because I improvise you know, the podcast and, and the ideas happen in real time, and, and they, uh, they kind of spur me into creating comedy pieces. Uh, and also the audience, the way people take it in is very different, and the way uh, an audience of people sitting with uh, other people takes in 
um, you know, crafted comedy pieces versus an individual taking in me talking to them on the podcast in their head. It's very different, but uh, very complimentary, and, and uh, it, it, it definitely feeds each other. Now, do you find that uh, more people have come to your stand-up through the podcast, or is it people have rediscovered you maybe through the podcast and are going to see your stand-up shows? Because uh, I guess that's going pretty well, too, now. You've kind of had a, a boost there. Yeah, no, the shows are going great, and a lot of people that have never heard of me or don't know me as a stand-up come to the shows. And I don't know if rediscovering, I, I think that... For the most part, people, yeah, maybe a little rediscovering, but I don't know. I made you know that big an impact in the sense that it's not like you know, I had huge fans you know years ago, and they're like you know finally we found you again. Uh, it's more like people are like, yeah, I remember you from then, but you know it's, it's all better now. So, and also a lot of people who are not necessarily comedy people come to my shows. A lot of people who are coming to their first comedy show and. But I'd say the podcast has really, you know, turned everything around and brought a lot of people in, new people. Now, you've spoken to a lot of comedians uh, through the first, I guess, uh, generation of the podcast. And it seems now, I was listening to the Nick Lowe uh, episode, right, as I was running around town today. And uh, recommended, by the way, folks, the Nick Lowe episode. Um, do you find you're able to maybe uh, branch out now and not just talk to comedians, but talk to, you know, people that interest you on things that interest you? Yeah, well, that's the yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always did it a little bit, but I'm certainly going to be doing it more when when the uh, opportunity arises. You know. Uh, yeah, there's um a lot of people have kind of given the shorthand sketch of uh, WTF uh, as kind of oh these are you know people. A lot of the episodes devolve into how Mark pissed these people off back years ago. In fact, Amy Poehler tells a hilarious story about how I used to introduce. Uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade, I guess it was. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I, I was a bit of a dick. <laughs> but everyone seems to have a good sense of humor about it, though, and everyone's, you know, uh, very forgiving and very willing to come on uh, on WTF and, you know, really explore some stuff. Yeah, for the most part. There's a few people that won't come on for whatever reason, some of them personal. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean... I don't have as profound an impact on people's lives as I think I might have uh, at a different point in time. And you know, usually, you know, I'm the one carrying the uh, the shame about it. So yeah, yeah, people let me off the hook by you know for the most part. And I certainly like being taken to task for for things that I might have done at another point in time. Now you really get a chance to explore with people kind of the roots of uh, where their comedy comes from. Has that always been an interest of yours? Or have you been because like I like I'll just watch a biography on anybody, even if it's someone that I'm not particularly interested in as an artist. I just like that backstory. Is that something you've always been interested in? Yeah, I find it very compelling, especially if there are moments that sort of define people. You know, whether they know what they are or not. Uh, I, I think that those are always very exciting. That there are these, you know, life changing moments either intellectually or, or, or physically, that, uh, that really um, act as catalysts for people's creativity. I think that's always interesting. Um, I noticed on the, the Nick Lowe uh, episode in the monologue, you kind of touched on this as uh, getting older. We're roughly the same age. I think you're only about three years older than me. Um, do you find that, that as getting older, you kind of just uh, develop, I guess, well, Steve Martin kind of described it in one of his albums as he become prejudiced, not against a race, but against things. So, like, let's go try this new thing, was one of his famous jokes from that. Do you find it makes you more, I guess, um, I don't know, uh, not judgmental isn't the word for it, selective in things that you pursue and things you're interested in? Well, I, I, I think that's always, I've always been a little, you know, daunted by, um, by, by new things and by, 
you know, technology and things that seem, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very easily overwhelmed. So I, I don't think that, you know, <laughs> that, uh, that age is necessarily doing it. My life is not huge. I find that more so than not, if I if I go ahead and go out and do something new or try something, I'm, I'm very happy I did. So I think I'm actually doing more of that than I did when I was younger. So is the the podcast opening more doors for you or people approaching uh, you for things? Yes. Yeah, people want to be on the podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, things have, uh, yeah, I'm a little more visible to uh, to people in the show business world, and that's you know that's exciting. I seem to be getting some opportunities because of it, uh, both acting and, and also you know development opportunities. And oh, cool! So that's all very exciting. Uh, are there people have approached you? Not not asking you to name names or anything, but are there people have been approached you, or people's people approached you, and you've said to them, "Nah, that I don't think that'd be a very good fit for WTF." No, I usually say, "Yeah, we'll get to it." You know, I'm a little <laughs> backed up right now. <laughs> Okay. I've said no a couple times if I just don't see it, and I yeah I, I definitely done that. Hey, it really comes down to me. It's it's not a fit. It's just you know am I gonna yeah. be able to talk to somebody for an hour? Yeah, that's. Um, are there some people that maybe you know better than others, and you're a little more comfortable in the seat with, or are there things you can always kind of you know dig into with with anybody on a background basis? I find I'm always surprised, and then, you know my comfort level is relative in the sense that I'm not always comfortable. Uh, initially when people uh, come into the garage or when they're coming to the garage. I don't know most of the people any better than uh, any fan would know them other than we, we're in the same business and we may have sort of passed in the halls uh, before or, or had a few encounters. But, you know, most of the interviews are really first conversations with people. Uh, you know, certainly uh, that length of conversation. I mean, that's one of the unique things about the show. I mean, nobody really you know, sits down and talks to someone for an hour just to sit and talk for an hour. And that's really how I approach it. So, uh, you know, comfort is, is relative to the situation. I've, I've been in, you know, some uncomfortable conversations and, and I just sort of try to listen. Do you think that uh, being a comedian and having interviewed mostly comedians, that gives you kind of a, a special insight? Because it almost seems like it's inside the comedian studio or like, like that show Favreau used to do, Dinner for Five on IFC, which was so great. I guess. I, I don't really see it that way. I would think I think that if you really sat down and clocked the amount of uh, sort of how we make the sausage discussions versus the amount of, you know, just discussions about life and relationships and childhoods and, you know, interests and, and, and you know, just random things. I, I think there's probably more of that. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really hung up. If I'm talking about process, it's usually because I'm curious because I've not done that. I've never written television. I've never directed a movie. Uh, yeah, I've never been in a television show. Um, I've never really written a movie. I mean, there. Uh, I've never produced anything uh, on, on the level of being a producer. So there are things that I don't know about. Uh, if we're really just talking about you know, how jokes are, are coming about, then I, I, must be, I must be running out of things to talk about with that person. Uh, what are some of your favorite episodes? There's a lot of them. There's, you know, they're, they're, I, you know, late, I, I love the, the Stephen Wright episode. It was oh, yeah, that's awesome. Pleasure to meet him. Norm McDonald was very surprising. Uh, you know, I, I love the Conan O'Brien episode. That was great. Uh, I was, you know, pretty thrilled about the Brian Cranston episode. And, 
Um, Richard Lewis was exciting. You know, the oh, older yeah. ones, you know, Jonathan Winters was pretty phenomenal. I mean, there's so many that they're all sort of different, but I'm always pretty excited and pretty surprised by, by most of them. Where do you see this podcasting thing headed overall, not just WTF, but as a, as a medium? I don't know. I just say, you know, it will probably establish itself as a medium. You know, it's still sort of, you know, finding, I, I don't know if there's even a way to generalize it. You know, everybody can do one. Everybody seems to be doing one. Uh, I just hope that more people figure out how to do it. I think the only obstacle to podcasting, you know, outside of trying to figure out how you're going to make a living off it, which is, you know, there's several ways that you know people can try that, but it's also just you know bringing more people to the medium. I, I think it's really yeah. going to replace radio once uh, people realize that all they do is click a button and hook up their iPod to a machine, uh, or or not even that, just click a button. I think that as it becomes easier to to listen to this stuff in your car and that kind of stuff, that it's it's really just going to be on demand. Uh, it's going to be an on demand world, and I think podcasts in terms of audio content are going to be you know, what people listen to. That's what I'm trying to tell people, that it's, you know, it's even better than, you know, people talk about having a YouTube video that goes viral. Well, that's great, but you can't watch a YouTube video when you're making that hour commute uh, to and from work or school or out in the park jogging. So uh, I think it's a much better medium for that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's really just, uh, you know, people like to listen to radio because sometimes listening to radio and in real time or knowing, you know, what's going on in your community and weather, you know, weather wise or, uh, uh, in, in traffic wise and that yeah, stuff. But well, you know, some people have a, a pretty deep relationship with radio, but I think that once you get over the hump that you, you don't need the live, uh, content anymore. Um, you, you know, it's just a matter of time. That's true. Cause you can get a lot of that other stuff just by, you know, clicking on the weather app on your, on your smart device and, and you yeah. can't have that need filled. Were you yeah, a big radio also, guy? Some people like to hear people talking. You know? that, that's true, and talking about local things. Did, do you, were you a big radio guy growing up, or just probably like the average kid? Or I like having the radio on. My mother always had the radio on when I was a kid, always very loud in the morning, just kind of you know in the house, local radio. I tend to have NPR on in the house when I'm wandering around. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I listen to radio in my car. I like listening to news. Cool. Um, and speaking of kids and, and podcasting, I, I don't know if this will uh, and, it flatter you or alarm you, but my eight-year-old wants to do a podcast now. To the yeah, po- well, it sounds like you got everything set up. Get him on the mic. Oh, yeah. Well, she's already recorded the theme song, multi-tracked, went into Audacity, figured out how to multi-track, and did the theme song. She sings two different parts, and then she wants to review TV shows and toys. That's, that's her, great. That's I think me. that's great. You should just yeah. give her a segment on your podcast. Yeah, I th- yeah, that probably would be, be the way to go. Yeah, but it's, um, it, it, I guess it's nice when the young people, like you were saying, maybe people of our uh, age bracket may be a little wary of technology at first, but it's, but it's nice when the young people can just grasp it like that. I think that's a, a positive well, Yeah, well, that's yeah. just something we're not going to have. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, when it, you grow up with it being second nature, it's it's a gift. You know, it's like having a, a second language in the house or, or skateboarding or yeah. anything else. You know, that was just not a bike we were... Uh, that was available as, for us to ride at that time, you know. Yeah. Um, well, any big plans coming up uh, through the rest of the year? Anything we can look forward to uh, beyond more great episodes of WTF? Yeah, I'm doing a lot of stand-up in a lot of places. I'm hoping I'm going to get a, a deal to create a television show. So, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm you know finishing up work on a book. So that will oh, awesome. yeah, that next year sometime. That'll be your second book? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. Well, this um, will plop the week before you're in Minneapolis, and the print piece will run the same week. 
And then, of course, we'll have links to all the uh, all the appropriate uh, Mark Marin uh, sites. Um, right, I love uh, Minneapolis. I'm looking forward to coming back. And uh, you know, I'm not sure it's the yeah, it's probably going to be pretty cold there, but it, you know, yeah. it's sort of a return to Acme, and, and I haven't been to Acme in probably uh, you know over ten years. Oh, really? And, wow. uh, that's a uh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I know we had you here in Cincinnati uh, last year. I know you're you're friends with Ryan Singer, who's from uh, the area here. Yeah, I love Ryan Singer. He's, yeah, he's, he's my buddy. Yeah, go bananas. That's a good time. Very very hilarious. Yeah. So we'll link uh, to WTF, of course. It sounds kind of silly because if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already. Know. It's kind of like going to a minor league baseball game and someone saying, "Hey." If you're ever in New York, you should go see this team called the Yankees. <laughs> They're yeah, really but good. It's, it's still a, a weird interconnected world that yeah, you know, yeah. Isn't, it isn't quite like that. But so I'm sure that there's some people that uh, that you know. Hey, everybody counts, buddy. Yeah, every it's a rising tide lifts all boats, and I certainly appreciate you being on uh, today and taking the time. Thanks, man. All right, man. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. All right, bye, bye. Thanks again to Mark Marin for being on the podcast. See Mark live in Vancouver, B.C. as part of the Vancouver Comedy Festival February 23rd through 25th. He will be at various venues. Uh, March 1st at the South Beach Comedy Festival in Miami. March 8th through 10th at Acme in Minneapolis. And March 11th at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. More dates and the specific venues at the comedy festivals can be found at WTF pod.com where of course you can also listen to his extraordinarily popular podcast WTF thanks to Hannah Ruth for being on the lizard lick towing sketch on episode 30 the episode previous to this uh, like PF's tape recorder on Facebook follow me on Twitter at PF66 PF's tape recorder logo by Dan Kobo follow him at tiger dactyl that's tiger and dactyl all one word on Twitter Music by John Veropolis, Doug O'Connor, with a little help from me. If you're listening to this before Sunday, please do me a favor and go to cmt.com. That's the country music television website, I do believe. Find the Next Big Thing banner. I believe it's on the bottom right of their homepage. Click on that and vote for a friend of the podcast, Kelly Collette. She is in the top eight. Hopefully we can get her to the final four of that competition. Uh, All the appropriate links that I just discussed can be found on our Podbean page. If you are listening to this uh, some other way besides Podbean, uh, I iTunes, for example, Uh, but go to pfradio.podbean.com for all the info that you will need. Uh, Other than that, so long, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 